0: I guess it's my turn. Just turn my mic on. I would have said good morning church, but Ken's already done that. And I thought he did a great job, so I guess I'll just skip that part. I I, uh, I am excited for the opportunity to preach this morning and to share what God's put on my heart with, with all of y'all. Um, it's a special opportunity that I don't get very often and I never take it lightly. Um, this morning Um, We're to gather together and to celebrate all that the Lord has done in this previous year. In 2023, God has done some great things in our fellowship. God has done some great things, and we've been blessed to work alongside of him. He has helped us to lead Bible studies and fellowships. We've worked in missions, both at home and internationally. We've done service projects that have affected our community and the communities around the world. That god has a heart for the lord has truly been good to us this year and we've had opportunity to invest in relationships with god one another and the world but as we turn the calendar to 2024 and we think well what's coming next right this is the time of year where we all start to think through resolutions or challenges or or what will we do differently in the new year right and as I'm getting ready for today's message, I'm thinking to myself over and over again, this phrase that you see at the front of your worship guide, 2024, this is going to be my year. That's blank on your worship guide, and that's on purpose, but, but, but think about that. We all do this, right? 2024, it's going to be my year. Maybe you did it last year. 2023, that's going to be my year. Some of you probably did it with 2020. You said, hey, 2020, it's going to be my year. And then 2020 happened. We all know what what happened there, right? But there's something about the turning of a page. There's something about the new year coming that sparks optimism, right? That that sparks this, this sense that something new can begin. We do this especially a lot with sports teams. Especially if your sports team's not very good. My sports team's not very good been rooting for the Kentucky Wildcats my whole life, I was raised in it, and, and every August, me and my dad, I think we might have a chance this year. We know we don't, we never do. <laughs> Alabama kicks our butt, Tennessee kicks our butt, Florida kicks our butt, but then the winter rolls around, and, and hey, that's Wildcat basketball season, right? And, and Cal's got a pretty good bunch this year, and it may be a Final Four year for Kentucky. That's what I'm saying, right? Every, every time we get to start something new, it's, it's so exciting, right? Well, this morning, I want to take a few minutes to ask you this question. What if instead of filling in the blank, if this is going to be my year, we as a body of believers committed together to say, 2024, that's going to be God's year. What, what if we set aside our own desires, what we want for the new year, and instead we took the time to ask of God, what would you have us do with this year? If we want to see something special happen in this fellowship in the new year, imagine what God would do if we gave him the entire year. If we committed together to dedicating ourselves specifically to his missions and his purposes in this new year. In a specific and intentional way. I want to go this morning in scripture to Isaiah chapter 58. And you can take a few moments to turn there either digitally or, or in a paper Bible. Um, and, and this passage of scripture that we're going to look at this morning details exactly what it looks like for a person to dedicate themselves to living in a way that honors God. In fact, God calls this the kind of fast that he desires throughout this passage. And it comes within the context of a group of Israelites that are fasting. We'll see in this passage that the Israelites here are fasting. But they've lost the point behind the practice. See, in our day and our age, fasting is most often connected with not eating right we when we think of fasting we think of abstaining from food right but more and more lately it's become more of a physical health practice and it's lost a lot of its spiritual aspect and when God says he wants his people to fast in a way that he desires he has so much more in mind than just skipping a meal and I I hope that I'm able to show you that this morning um now, I want to take the text in two blocks, and I know that's a little unusual, and it's a little different than what we usually do, but I hope that you'll indulge me, because I think it's worthwhile. I want you to see the setup in verses 1 through 5, and then I want to take a break, and I want to unpack that with you, and then I want to, I want to show you the payoff in 6 through 12. So, so you guys can decide for yourselves whether you'd like to join me in standing. We're going to read verses 1 through 5, and then I'll have you sit, and then we'll talk for a minute, and then... And then we'll come back. And if you want to stand again, you can stand again, and we'll read the second half, okay? So if you'll join me, if you've got your Bibles ready, open up Isaiah 58. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. And I know it's a little different. I read out of the ESV, so that'll match what's on the screen. Let me read to you verses 1 through 5. Cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments, they delight to draw near to God. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast you seek your own pleasure. Thank you. Y'all can be seated. One of the ways that I want to help us unpack this section of Scripture, and I did this last time and I think it helped several of you, is I want to give you the sermon broken down into one single sentence. If you remember last time I preached, I gave you this right at the beginning, a sermon in a sentence to help you keep up with everything that I say this morning. And so for all of you that may struggle with with the scope of what we're, we're going to cover this morning, you've got this sermon in a sentence, And it'll give you the core of everything we're going to talk about this morning. So here it is. God delights in making much of those who pour themselves out for others to the glory of God. That's pretty wordy, so I'm going to give it to you again. God delights in making much of those who pour themselves out for others to the glory of God. Now we're going to look at this scripture, and hopefully I'm going to be able to point you to how I came to that sentence. Isaiah 58, verse 1, the first question we have to ask ourselves is, who's talking? And we know, because he addresses Israel as his people, that this is God speaking. And we know he's talking to Isaiah because, well, we're in Isaiah. Right, and, and, and this is the book of Isaiah's prophecies, right? So it makes good sense that God is talking to Isaiah. And what's the word for Isaiah? The word for Isaiah is, Isaiah, go bring a message. Go bring a message as if you were a trumpet. Why would God tell Isaiah to be a trumpet? I, I don't have a lot of musical experience. You all know this? You're aware? Trumpets are loud, and and I hope that doesn't offend any, there are probably trumpet players in the room, I hope that doesn't offend anybody. Trumpets are loud, right? And and even in ancient culture, the main use for a trumpet was, was to signal the approach of a king, or to signal the approach of an army, or to bring a message from the king. When we think of a trumpet, most of us are not put in the mind of a soft and gentle reminder. A trumpet is bold. A trumpet is loud. And I think Isaiah has that in mind, or God has that in mind for Isaiah. When he says, Isaiah, go to my people and be a trumpet. Why? Because they're sinning against me. The house of Jacob is transgressing. And they need to know about it. So then we continue on and we ask, how are they sinning? Let's look at the text, see what it says. Here we go. They're seeking the Lord daily. They're delighting to know His ways. They're asking God for righteous judgments. They're fasting and humbling themselves. Sinners. Those wicked sinners. Acting that way. Humbling themselves before God. I read through this passage and I had to ask myself, hold on a minute. How are they sinning? And, And you look carefully you look carefully at what God says about them in verse 2 he says as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgments of their God see Isaiah has to be a trumpet because this nation has the outward appearance of being godly but their inward focus is mistaken see they 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 they're practicing godly behaviors But they're not following through. The problem here is Israel doesn't realize they're in trouble. Israel thinks that they are fasting and honoring the Lord. And they're even crying out to God, God, why are you not hearing us? They think that they're following God's direction. And so he can't send Isaiah with a gentle message. Because if you don't realize your house is on fire, you'll never call the fire department. Israel didn't realize their house was on fire. Isaiah was meant to be the fire alarm. He was meant to be the trumpet. To tell my people that they have transgressed and sinned against me. See, at this point, Israel's acting like they love God. They're trying to be known as upstanding religious folks, but, but, but God has passed judgment on them. He says, as if. So Israel's asking for righteous judgments from God, but, but what are they doing with these righteous judgments? They're doing the same thing that my son Elijah does with 90% of the food that he asks for. See, this is common in our house. Isaiah, Elijah will come in to the kitchen. Mommy, I'm hungry. All right, well, what do you want to eat? You make me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Make the sandwich, put it out on the table. What does he do? I don't want that. I'm not hungry. I never asked for that. See, Israel is doing that same thing with God's judgments. They're asking God, what should we do? And then God brings a message. And Israel says, thanks, but no thanks. I'm not really interested in that. We've got a picture here of a religion whose practices are correct, but whose heart is sick whose outward appearance is right but whose inward focus is twisted. They're doing all the right things, they're fasting and they're humbling themselves, but the fasts have lost all their value. They're using the fasts as an excuse to get into petty religious arguments. They're using the fasts to prove their faithfulness and their piety and to show how much they're willing to suffer for God. ultimately by fasting the israelites want to influence god into doing what they want him to do but what they failed to realize is that god is not a human man he's not a human being he can't be influenced by our church attendance and and by our scripture verses memorized and our hours served that that's not what moves the heart of god god's moved by your heart and the heart of Israel here was not correct. And so they're left crying out to God Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? The great thing about our God, I love this God doesn't condemn without correcting, He doesn't announce their sin, and then leave them in the dark. He sends Isaiah to announce their sin and also to show them the way to correct it. And that's what we're going to see in the back half of this passage is is God's prescription, his medicine, for how do you heal your wicked heart? How do you heal your twisted desire? God doesn't leave his people in the dark. So I want to turn now to the back half of this scripture, verses 6 through 12. And I'll ask if, you, if you're willing, if you're able, if you want to stand again, we're going to look at the back half of Isaiah's message here. Picking up chapter 58 in verse 6. God says, Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free? to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked, to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry, satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places. He will make your bones strong and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail and your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall rise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Thank you. Y'all can sit. I was overwhelmed studying this passage with how crystal clear God is with what he wants his people to be about with, with the, the way he expects his people to live their life. There is no ambiguity here. God is crystal clear with Israel. If you want to fast in a way that honors me, if you want to live a life that honors me, here is how you can do it. We could spend weeks dissecting and dis- discerning and Praying over exactly what God means by each of these different aspects of a fast that he approves of. But I would imagine y'all have other New Year's plans. So I think we'll just kind of highlight them for you here. The, The fast that God approves of means nothing less than breaking the bonds of the oppressed and the afflicted. Whether those bonds are prison bars or addiction struggles or abusive relationships god calls his people to be the breaker of chains how are we dedicating our time to those that are that are trapped in addiction and struggles with abuse and, and and trapped behind prison bars a fast that god desires means nothing less than sharing your bread with the hungry see the israelites had gotten the not eating part correct but they had missed the part where god expects just because they're not eating, that should then in turn mean that someone else is. You should fast for the benefit of someone who needs food. God says a fast that he desires means opening your own home to the homeless. Now that's one we, we probably don't really want to see there. Because your home, that's your sanctuary, right? That's your refuge. You're going to open your home to the homeless? That's scary commitment to God's purposes. But, but are we even opening our calendars to the homeless? Are we giving of our time? If, not, if we're not willing to give of our home, are we willing to give of our time? Are we willing to, to pursue their good before our own? If we want to live a life that honors God, we will. Are we clothing the naked? James gets at this in chapter 2 of his letter. In chapter 2 of James, he, he, he calls out the Christians that he's writing to because they have this habit of seeing the, the needy and the hungry and saying to them, be well, brother, be clothed and well-fed, and then going about their day. And if that's not the ancient equivalent of sending thoughts and prayers... I don't know what is. And I don't want you to misunderstand me. Prayer is so vital to everything we do. But if the end of our work with the homeless and the needy is prayer, I don't think that we've gone far enough. I think that James is telling us we haven't gone far enough. I think Isaiah is telling us we haven't gone far enough. The kind of fast that God desires means having sympathy and compassion for those around you it means not being willing to look down on those that are different than you not being willing to to judge those that are sinning in ways you don't understand it means caring for your family and your friends and those around you giving before you take being reliable there's an awful lot more to a fast that, that God desires than just skipping a meal and saying a prayer. And, and I didn't fully understand that till I began to study this passage of Scripture. I think the reason that fasting is a lost discipline amongst most of the church in the West is because we don't understand it. And because we haven't spent the time to study it, we don't prioritize it. But this isn't God calling us to an occasional habit. This is God calling us to a way of life. A way of life that honors him. Pour yourself out for the hungry, satisfy the desire of the afflicted. This is the core of it all. It's there in verse 10. Pour yourself out for the hungry, satisfy the desire of the afflicted. If you want to experience God active in your life in 2024, do this. Pour yourself out for the hungry. Satisfy the desire of the afflicted. Now, Jeremiah tells us that our hearts are desperately sick and deceitful above all things. And I tell you that so that you know that your heart, in its natural state, will try and convince you, it may even be beginning to do that right now, that all of this is more than you can handle, that you don't need to give that much that you can do just a little. That God has given you all of the great gifts that you enjoy for your benefit alone. Your heart and mine is desperately sick. Do not listen to it. Listen to God. Listen to what God says here. Pour yourself out for the hungry. Satisfy the desire of the afflicted. Why? Why, why? why would we do that? That sounds really, really hard. Because if you do, your healing will spring up speedily. Our, our hearts are sick, and this is the prescription for how we fix them. This is the medicine from the Lord. Your healing will spring up speedily. The Lord will guide you continually, and he will satisfy your desires in the scorched places. He will make your bones strong. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. This is the promise of God. You you don't earn these things. You live this way and he gives through his spirit. God will guide you continually. That's what it says here in the scriptures. But there's an if. God will guide you continually if you're living this way. If you do this, then the Lord will go As your rear guard. If you pour yourself out for the hungry. If you break the chains of the oppressed. If you fast in the way that God desires you to fast. From all the desires and distractions of this world. Your heart will be healed living this way. Your God will stand at your back to protect you. The glory of the Lord will go before you. You'll call and hear God's response to you. You'll satisfy the desires of the hungry while you allow God to satisfy your your desires. He'll strengthen your bones. He will cause you to be a never-ending spring of water. Do you ever feel like your cup is running empty? God will fill it for you. Give yourself up for others. Pour yourself out for their needs. Allow God to fulfill his promises. He has never dropped one. God delights in making much of those who pour themselves out for others to the glory of God. I want to close by making one final observation on this passage. See, the Israelites wanted desperately to be noticed by God. They wanted to be known as powerfully religious, upstanding citizens. But they wanted it on their own terms. They wanted to do things their way, for their benefit. And I'll tell you, as someone who has spent large amounts of time studying ancient Israel, I'm by no means an expert, but I've put in the hours. I've read the books. They're big. I can't find a single book that has these people's names in them. They're not there but the names that we do remember? Names we do know? What about Isaiah? Poured himself out for others at the direction of the Lord. What about Stephen? Who even while being stoned to death was begging God to forgive those that were killing him. What about Paul? Who poured his life into raising up a generation of missionaries and church leaders who at the direction of the Holy Spirit built the early church church and serve the needs of untold numbers in the ancient world. It doesn't end with the New Testament either, right? We, we know the names of missionary men and women, those who have given their lives for the cause of Christ. Some of them from right here in this very fellowship. They're in our heritage. Some have been selflessly pouring themselves out for others just in the, the short time that I've been here. I've gotten the pleasure of working with them. Folks like Elizabeth Vines and Elaine Kennedy and Jean Elliott. We could talk talk about all the people that when I went and asked, I asked, I wanted to know who lives like this in in the history of our church. Uh, The names never ended. Just just a few that I heard while preparing for this message. Maybe you know them. Ambers Wilson and Anita Crawford. I heard about Lee Gray and and O.E. Price. And I heard about Ed Parker, and Dolores Young, and the list kept going and going. And and I I I'm sure if if you came up to me after the service, you could give me more names. Folks that have influenced you, by living this way, here in this fellowship. And and as we close, I want to just ask one question. On the cusp of 2024, how are you going to fill in this blank space? Whose year will 2024 be for you? I I know what I'm going to fill in, and and I know where I'm putting my trust this year. And and I hope and I pray that many of you will join me, because I know that the Lord will do something special. I ask that you join me now in prayer, and and I hope that throughout the rest of this year you'll join me and so many others in serving others in our community for the glory of God. Pray Pray with me. Father, you are so good to us. We are so thankful, Lord, for the year that has been. For the way that you have guided us. God, for the way that you have directed us. Lord, it has not been easy for all of us. Some of us have dealt with crushing loss. Others have, been, have had the opportunity to experience unending joy. We know that in a fellowship this size, there is all manner of story about how 2023 went. But God, we also know that no matter how big the fellowship, 2024 and every single other year, if we would dedicate them to you, you would do miraculous things. God, we beg you to come powerfully among these folks and do what only your Holy Spirit can do as we pour ourselves out for others, all for your glory. We love you, God. We pray in the powerful name of King Jesus. Amen. Folks, I'm going to...